And so this meeting is a weekly series of ABC of Marxism. This week, Kathy's going to be talking about Marxists and the Labour Party. So um, in a couple of days' time, the, there's going to be an announcement of a new Labour Party leader, and it's probably going to be Keir Starmer. So this is probably a good moment to have a little bit of a discussion about what uh, left-wingers, socialists, Marxist socialists even, revolutionary socialists are doing in the Labour Party, what's our strategy, what's our overall um, set of aims, what's our thinking, what's our perspective about <coughs> in the UK. Um, so um, I think uh, 2015, um, I was actually expelled from the Labour Party and that was in the course of the elections around uh, a new Labour leader um, and the right-wing black backlash and witch hunting the Labour Party as a, as a response to Corbyn. And I found, after a period of time, very sort of strange kind of dynamic going on in terms of what other people on the left in the Labour Party were saying about people like me who, who had been expelled from the Labour Party. And I was expelled from the Labour Party because I'm a, a member of... Um, the Alliance for Workers' Liberty, and I had, uh, in fact, been, um, at the time, I was editor of our newspaper. So I was sort of, you know, kind of had a bit of a Google footprint and association with Workers' Liberty. But amongst the people in my Labour club at my uh, university that I go to, Goldsmiths in South London, they were very um, kind of... a at first kind of intrigued to know why I would want to be um, an organised Marxist, part of an organised left group, as well as being the Labour Party. And there was a kind of, just a sort of a big kind of political gap, a political um, lack of understanding that just we just didn't have the same kind of language to talk about um, socialists in the Labour Party. Um, those comrades... Um, well, they're not really, they turned out to be not actually comrades, in fact, um, because they be became people who were in favour of my expulsion. Um, we're just, there just wasn't, just there wasn't any way to talk about it. And yet there is a fantastically rich history of um, left-wingers, Marxists, people who call themselves revolutionaries, being involved in the Labour Party. And all that history seems to have become quite buried and quite obscure. So I think the purpose of this session really is to go into some of that history, um, to use, to talk about some examples, because there's many, many examples, um, and some of the dynamics around uh, socialists and Marxists being in the Labour Party. Um, I think there's two things for us as Workers' Liberty that stand out. Um, in terms of our assessment of what the Labour Party is. And we get this um, from the early debates about um, the Labour Party and um, the involvement, in fact, of um, people who are in, in the Communist Party um, from the, um, the 19, 1920 onwards. Um, you know, that's the kind of roots of our thinking about the Labour Party. And there's two things that stand out, really, in terms of our perspective and our assessment. Um, first of all, we see the Labour Party as being a political wing of the Labour movement. Um, 
it's a political wing that has always had for us thoroughly pro-capitalist and bourgeois politics. It's it's been tempered by lots of um, socialist politics um, in one one way or another. But basically, it's a party that's committed to the to the capitalist system. But it is the political wing of the labor part, the labor labor um, of the labor movement, nonetheless. And it's 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 based on bedrock organizations of the labor movement and most specifically the trade unions. So the Labour Party and the labor movement as a whole in Britain is a kind of an amalgam. It's kind of a federation. Um, it's kind of a bringing together of different institutions and also different traditions in a way. Um, um, and it has a history of organisations um, organizations being involved in it, such as the Independent Labour Party, which now no longer exists. Um, and it's had, it, it has always been based on um, the trade union movement as, which has exists and that itself, that itself has evolved. So it's a political wing of the of the of the uh, labor labor movement. Um, and, and a second key idea for us in terms of determining um, whether you would be involved in the labor party as well as the trade union movement, because I think most most socialists would would accept that you would be involved in the trade union movement. You you'd, you go to work. Um, you, you join your trade union, you try to make those trade unions fight for the workers in that workplace or in that industry. Um, and you see the trade unions as being, you know, there to exist to bargain within capitalism. But nonetheless, they do defend workers' rights if pressed, um, if organised, if, 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 if you try to, to make those organisations grow. So why? So it would be, a, you know, all socialists would be involved in their trade union. But why would you also be in, involved in the Labour Party? And for us, the perspective has always been based on the idea that within the Labour Party, you could still organise um, as a socialist. You could come together um, as, 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 as a group of like-minded socialists and organise. Um, you could come together, you know, in specific campaigns to, to win um, specific um, demands or around specific issues and organise. You could come together to um, to fight for alternative alternative an alternative leadership, um, as indeed people did around the whole Corbyn um, 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 campaign, um, and that that and also that there was that, that there's a relative amount of freedom of debate um, and discussion and democracy within the Labour Party. So those that that's the, that's the kind of main. Um, perspective that we had and also and in addition to that um, we've always argued that there was there has been historically an open what we've called an open valve between the trade unions and and the Labour Party that is that the um, trade union class struggle issues say for instance around the anti-union laws could be organized for both within the trade unions and within the Labour Party and that what you did within the trade unions could have an effect um, within the Labour Party. It could, could, it could um, be taken further, it could be taken a step onwards. And 
by making um, taking it into the Labour Party, that trade unions that trade union struggle around trade union issue could become political and politicised, and actually um, could, if you took it far enough and it got enough support, could actually challenge the basis on which those trade unions are um, shaped or, or brought into, you know, created, and that is to to stymie the class struggle and to stymie the organisation of the working class and could challenge that idea and in so doing also challenge um, the, the nature of capitalist exploitation on some levels. So um, that idea of the open valve um, is important. So there's three things, open valve, um, ability to organise and ability to debate and discuss within the Labour Party and also the idea that the Labour Party itself, in the UK at least, is founded on bedrock um, organisations of, of the Labour movement. Um, now, within that, there's a lot of room for kind of, um, you know, things going badly wrong with all of those things. You know, there's, there's all sorts of ways in which those things have been stymied and all sorts of ways in which from time to time there's been you know, there's been a Labour leadership which has seriously put in doubt the idea that socialists could organise for change within the Labour Party, specifically, you know, Blair, because Blair wanted to take the Labour Party back to um, a point in time when, or the Labour movement back to a point in time when it became um, thoroughly wedded to kind of bourgeois politics. And, um, you know, before the um, 1880s, um, the trade unions in particular were, were supporters of the Liberal Party. So they wanted to take, um, take it back to that, that moment in, in history. In, 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 you could argue that in some, that, you know, that's, that's what Blair's um, orientation was. So there's lots of room for all that framework to kind of be pushed and pulled. There's lots of different dynamics. And I suppose it's worth just talking about some of the examples of when Marxists or socialists have organised within Labour or have um, uh, or not organised within Labour because it hasn't always been the case that socialists have organised within Labour. Um, how am I doing for time, Ed? Um, you've, you've been speaking for 10 minutes. Okay, well, maybe we'll just talk about a couple of examples. Um, I think there's a kind of, there's a history um, there's lots of different histories and traditions within the socialist left um, in Britain. As I was saying, it's quite a, it's, in many ways, it's a very, very rich history, which a lot of younger people, I think, in the Labour Party, in the Labour movement, don't know that much about. Um, and that's a shame because there would have been a time when it was sort of part of the political education of socialists to learn that history. It would be an absolutely central part of your political education to sort of know that history, even if you weren't like a Marxist or a revolutionary, you know, you'd really try to sort of, you know, try to, to find out about that. So it's a shame. Um, I mean, I suppose if you go right back, um, the first Marxist organisation in um, Britain uh, was the Social Democratic Federation, which was set up in uh, 1883. Um, and that itself um, came out of um, a sort of tradition of, of, of radicalism in Britain, um, a sort of uh, republicanism, 
um, a support for the Irish Irish um, question, support for Irish independence, or the, on the Irish question, sort of liberation for the, for um, for Irish people. Um, and but it had a kind of um, um, it, it was very um, uh, it was kind of very sort of. Uh, I hesitate to use the word sectarian. I just think it had a very sort of basic attitude to or the idea of spreading socialism. In fact, um, there's a sort of famous quote that um, the SDF used to spread socialism like butter on bread. You know, it would just if you put enough socialist propaganda out there, if you if you stood stood on enough street corners and made enough. Um, you know, um, militant speeches against capitalism, then, so, you know, socialism would spread. And it didn't, it never had this idea of kind of connecting to the struggles of working class people. Um, as an organisation, it didn't have that idea of connecting to those struggles and trying to build those struggles and trying to develop them politically. Um, in many ways, perhaps, you know, it wasn't, it, it, we, could, we can forgive it a lot because it was just, it was, it, those are the sorts of things that you have to learn through experience, that, that it's necessary to do that, to be part of struggles, to develop them politically. Um, and many and many of their people were very good militants um, and they were trade unionists, but as an organisation as a whole, they were quite hostile to trade unions. And so when it came to the actual founding of the Labour Party in 1900, they, um, they wanted to argue that the, the Labour Party should officially um, see itself as a class struggle organisation. Um, and when that went down, you know, not very well, um, they mostly withdrew. I mean, some individuals didn't withdraw, but as an organisation, they did withdraw, and for a very long period of time. So... It, it, it never ha it was. It wasn't an organisation that, that felt it needed to get its hands dirty inside the Labour Party to try to to shape it, to try to change it. And in 1900, the Labour Party was very much a kind of federation, the kind of federation that I was talking about right at the very beginning. And there was a lot up for grabs um, in and um, the, the 1900. And specifically, this is what's wrong with the SDF. It, it's, it didn't see at the time the significance of the founding of the Labour Party, because what had happened is that there'd been the introduction of an anti-trade union law um, that had, was going to make um, effective trade unionism um, extremely difficult. Um, and in that context, lots of the trade unions, more of the trade unions were breaking from liberalism and wanted to found their own, you know, their own political organisation, a working, you know, a working class organisation, a political working class organisation. And so it was a very significant, 1900 was a very specific, significant moment in history. And the SDF, SDF didn't really connect up with that. Um, you know, they wanted to kind of shape things in a kind of quite ultimatistic way, right? Do this or else. So that's one sort of negative example. Um, I mean, actually, all the examples I've got are quite negative in terms of socialist involvement. I mean, 
comrades can obviously talk about lots of other examples there are um there's examples from the 19 early 1980s um which i suppose is the um in, in many ways there's kind of parallels with Corbynism here when Tony Benn stood for deputy leader of the Labour Party. And there was a lot of organising around that. Um, and our organisation was involved in helping to set up a, a, an organising committee called the Rank and File Mobilising Committee. Um, and so that in a way was kind of a more of a positive example of trying to bring, you know, trying to bring as many forces together um, to unite around a common goal, which was um, for to get uh, Tony Benn in in that case elected deputy leader. Um, but there's there were lots of weaknesses, lots of political weaknesses with that movement, um, in specifically uh, not taking the a, a struggle to democratize the, to the labour movement, which was one of the key key ideas that Ben had raised into the trade union movement. Um, and later on, there were lots of um, battles around uh, rate rises and cuts in inside local government in which the left didn't play a very good role. Um, but Ben lost that. And um, so a lot of the kind of potent lost that battle. So a lot of the potential of that movement, um, you know, could have been could have been realized if if that struggle had won um there were lots of other examples we could go into bevanism we could go into the example of the communist party itself um uh which you know did organize for a period of time inside the labor party um the various kinds of organized groups that see themselves as being Trotskyists have organized inside the Labour Party and a lot haven't specific most specifically in recent years the SWP have not I mean when I first came into um, politics um, I encountered the SWP um, and um, there this was in the context of the minor strike and at the time inside inside the Labour Party there was a lot of organizing going on around the minor strike a lot of uh, collecting a lot of visiting picket lines, a lot of basic solidarity work going on inside the Labour Party, and the SWP, at the time, almost seemed to be as more hostile to the idea of socialists working in the Labour Party than, I suppose, at, at any moment that I can remember in my political um, lifetime, and you'd get this kind of almost anarchist. Um, argument um that if you join the labor party you just drift rightwards your head would just drift right rightwards you know almost kind of there'd be kind of almost like a physical um chemical change inside your brain um you know you'd be affected by the consciousness the political consciousness inside your ward labor party or your general committee um and you'd you 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 know you would just be affected by that um by that environment um, um, you know that, um, and there was this kind of sort of very um, mechanical thing about how, um, um, how well how individuals be, would be affected, but also how the Labour Party was always inevitably um, going to be um, 
uh, there would never be any all the reforms that you could possibly win inside um, the Labour Party would 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 always be you know would always come to nothing almost. Now it is true that what what the Labour Party represents is a sort of trade union bargaining inside Parliament. It has that very real limitation, um, but they had a kind of mechanical attitude to it that it that um, that you know everything was doomed you know everything you know every class struggle that you could possibly wage that you took into into the labor party including you know presumably the minor strike at the time would be would be stymied would be destroyed um by um by that effort um okay so we we're inside the labor party as marxists in order to um in order to to organize um, in order to develop a, you know, to to help develop a kind of pol politicization of class struggles, um, but we don't stop there. You know, we are revolutionary socialists, um, and we and we, you know, we we do um, in the course of those struggles mainly seek to educate and seek to talk about how the logic of this or that other struggle is that you know that we should challenge capitalism that the that the capitalism is an you know a system of exploitation ultimately and that we need to replace capitalism in order to win this or that other reform that we may be fighting for in the here and now so our job we see it's essentially is in is to educate in the course of struggle in you know not in a kind of um um, um, a way which says that we've got nothing to learn from class struggle, far from it. We have many things to learn from class struggle. Class struggle always throws up all sorts of possibilities and opportunities and ideas that, you know, out of the movement. Um, so um, that that is our role, essentially. Um, okay, so I think I'm going to leave it there. I'm just trying to put in as much as possible. Um, maybe we I had a couple of questions that maybe we could just talk about just to kind of bring it up to date um, my first question was that um, trade unions seem to be a very right wing force inside the Labour Party at the moment um, but more to the point they're also extremely undemocratic I mean how nobody really knows how policy gets decided in Unite for instance or Unison or the GMB. So if we can't democratise the trade unions and they seem to be a very dominant force inside the Labour Party, what do we do? What are we doing inside the Labour Party? And the second question was, um, well, what do, I, wanted, I wanted to know what comrades felt was good or bad about the Corbyn um, movement. Um, and you know, what socialists can learn from that, really, you know, if if what I'm saying, you know, in terms of perspectives um, makes any sense whatsoever, what can we what can we learn from the Corbyn movement? <laughs>